Welcome to another episode of Consider This Question. Today, uh, we are going to be looking at the question, how do we uh, kind of reflect and uh, kind of move on from the post-election results, I guess. I'm trying to think of a way to describe that, but truly, it's I guess, I guess the results um, were uh, about a week out from the election, and I've got uh, Ryan Vincent in our adult discipleship area and Drew Moss, um, our, our resident rapper. And um, yeah, that's me. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, if you'll notice, just pay close attention, and you'll see um, every fifth line rhyme with the fourth <laughs> previous one. It's a, it's a complicated rhyme. I've been working on uh, words that rhyme with Trump for the past <laughs> week, actually, <laughs> to get this to work. <laughs> Uh, and the outtakes version of this is going to sell like hotcakes. Yes. Um, but no, I mean, we've, we've literally kind of come through this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to begin. So the election is over. Uh, your thoughts. Okay, here's the, here's, the, here's the question I want you both to answer. Shocked? Ryan? I was. I was. I, I've heard a number of people say that, you know, about a week out or whatever, the things were starting to trend in Trump's direction, but I didn't believe it. Um, it's clear that the national media didn't think that. And so for whatever my source was, whether that's, you know, pick a news station, I was kind of, I just could not fathom how he could, how he would be elected. And, and I'm, and I was not in favor of his opponent in any way. Yeah. So I was, I was quite surprised. Drew. Yeah. Same for me. I remember watching till uh, with my wife till about 10 or 10.30, and really at that point going, holy cow, like, he might win this thing. Yeah. You know, he might actually win this uh, this election. And then I still went to bed, and it was really looking like he was probably going to win, and I still went to bed fully expecting to wake up and find either A, that Clinton had won, or B, that it was some weird tie and we were going to have to have this mess of an election for another like three months or something <laughs> like that. Literally, I would not have been surprised if either. I kind of, and then when I heard on the radio that Trump had actually won, I was kind of surprised all over again. It really yeah. was surprising. I In, in, in about May, uh, and we'll talk about this actually, um, May or it was, it was before the, it was before the first, con- the Republican convention. I remember um, kind of being convicted that I needed to change how I was getting information regarding the election. And so um, I, for the first time, uh, this was my seventh U.S. election that I've been a part of. Um, it was for the, it was the first time I never watched anything that night. Didn't watch anything and kind of got my news sources from my typical, um, basically I'm, I'm forcing myself to read about things instead of just blanketly watching one particular view or strain or whatever. So I'm just picking a number of different articles and reading about it. And so I had one friend of mine that kept, you know, kept saying, can you believe this? Can you believe this? And I kept saying, um, I don't. And actually we'll see what happens when it all kind of works out. Because like you drew, I remember waking up at about two or three in the morning because I went to bed probably about 10 o'clock. Yeah. And I remember waking up about two or three and just kind of hitting my phone and hitting kind of my news source thing. And it basically said, yeah, Trump and shocking victory. And I went, wow. I mean, I just could not believe it. My wife said, don't wake me up. You can just tell me in the morning. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but okay. Um, so kind of thoughts about the, I don't know, the election process about mm-hmm. how, you know, what we care more um, about is like those who are followers of Jesus Christ, particularly those that are associated in our family fellowship, right? Those are the ones that we care mostly about. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of the election cycle and everything that's going on, Kind of some post-election thoughts. Um, yeah, I was, I was just thinking, it's kind of funny, like before we did this, I was thinking, we could have recorded this thing pre 
results, pre-election results, and my response would have been pretty much the same. Bummer, guys. <laughs> 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 like, I, like, without even knowing, I could have just come on and said, yeah, it's rough. The new president we have, that's going to be rough, guys, but hang in there, and it's okay. <laughs> and You know what I mean? All those things, like, because either way, I mean, kind of some of those those same thoughts would have would have been uh would have been there regardless of which way it went but it has it, both pre and post election it has shown us um a lot about ourselves as a country just everyone's response mm-hmm. either way this whole this whole campaign process um has shown us a lot about country but i think also has shown us a number of things about ourselves as a church Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, kind of capital C church, or maybe maybe American church would be kind of the best yeah. thing to say. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, yep. About kind of the American church and and um, and some things that maybe aren't always these things always do expose things about us. Mm-hmm. What we get really really happy about and what we get really really sad or angry about really is a great indicator of our hearts. And so um, I think this is this has been something for us to to stop and look back personally, even as well. Why did I get so excited? or mad or happy or sad or angry about this thing. Um, a lot to kind of think through there, you know? Yep. And you know, the, the one thing to point out is that even when we say this, right, um, and I don't want to kind of qualify everything that we say, but even when we say this, n- with the three of us, even though I think we kind of share the same rough perspective, so let's try not to talk about, you know, we've got one way over here on the liberal side, one way over here on the conservative side, and then we've got a moderate in the middle. It's, it's no, I mean, we're all, we all we're, have very... We're all conflictedly opinionated in the same direction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, I, I think the, the kingdom perspective is yeah. kind of where we line up more than anything else, right? It's the, it's the idea of, 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 of loving the kingdom. But even when we say those kinds of things, it doesn't matter if you're happy, it doesn't matter if you're sad, it's not that we think this issue does not matter. No, no. Um, so just as you hear us talk about this and we kind of talk about what you might, as you're listening, might hear of as ambivalence, it's not because we don't believe that the process or even the privilege of voting or the privilege of living in this great country, um, that we undervalue or underappreciate that. Yeah. I, I would I would say it's really good for us to point that out. This, no, like, yeah, I'm just, there's a simple truth of just um, emotions and reactions are a great indicator of, of our heart and the things that matter. And sometimes that can even be a good thing. Sometimes we look back and go, man, I really got angry about that. And I'm glad I did, actually. That was sure. something worth getting angry about. Or sure. I really got sad about that, and I should have. I'm, that, that, I'm glad there's something in my heart that's working right. So I'm not even saying it all. Now, I, again, I, I do think there were a number of things in this election that kind of got exposed about some of the church that wasn't pretty. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, but, I, I, but it's not always bad or good. It's just good to look back and go, why did I get feel this way about this and what does that say about me good yeah. or bad you yeah know? yeah i mean that's the, what i love about it is going back and kind of looking at the idea of like to take your temperature is basically just to take a gauge at where you're at um and that's all it does right it's kind of the thermostat versus thermometer thermostat changes temperature thermometer just tells you what it is yeah yeah and i think it's good at times like this to just gauge yeah so where are we yeah. at and then we kind of relevate or kind of uh, kind of think reflect on and kind of move from there ryan kind of overall general thoughts as the election is over yeah, um, it, I, I really like the idea that we would sit and take a, a period of time to reflect on how we've processed this particular election cycle and uh, and what it looks like going forward. Because I'm reminded, because we need to reflect on it so that we can go forward with integrity and as um, champions of the gospel. And I remember when we did one of the pre-election um, episodes on Consider This Question, this would have been seven or eight shows ago. Drew said that there's going to be there's there's baggage that comes with either major candidate, 
uh, for the church specifically. For so, if, if Hillary wins, the church is going to have uh, more of a legal issue to deal with. There's going to be kind of a, a policy persecution that we would see from our perspective come down. But um, he said, uh, should Trump win, the, the church is going to have more cultural problems to deal with. Yep. And and I think that we need to realize that in this election, the way that it's sh- that, that it's shaken out, that's what we've bitten off, and that's what we've got to deal with for the next four years. Is, you know, I, I told Rachel, I said, I'm I'm, um, you know, I can I can say I didn't vote for either major candidate. I voted for another candidate, um, but I told her that the morning after the election, um, while I, there are some reasons I think it's going to be good that. He is in office. There are other reasons that it's going to be frustrating. And I said it's going to be hard because um, in many ways the sick part, the dangerous parts, the non-biblical parts of the religious right have in some ways been affirmed in the eyes of many. Like I'm, I'm worried that this will strengthen some yeah. cultural Christianity that is unbiblical. Yes. Um, because now that, you know, um, for, for many of the, I would say, non-biblical side of Christianity, the side that really wants to influence politics in an unhealthy way, um, they got their guy. And their movement is going to, for the next four years, have a lot of momentum behind it. And I think that it's going to, as Drew pointed out in that earlier episode, it's going to be hard for the church to undo some of that damage. And we've got, we've now got, I'm not really worried about image, but we've got an integrity thing that we've got to deal with now. Yeah. And I'll tell you one of the, going back to the, to the image piece, I guess the one part that I am concerned in terms of image, I saw a statistic uh, probably the next day and they were describing that um, 81% of the evangelical church voted Trump. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, the, the part I think that concerned me is the just the general gist of what that statement means yeah and uh, kind of the perception and how that's going to come up in the future and again the the part that concerns me is that's a complicated answer mm-hmm. as you know um <laughs> being a part of the evangelical yeah. church um I, I i don't think i would be wrong i mean you guys correct me i don't think i'd be wrong um if i were to say that the majority of people even that i know that decided to vote down that line, the, down the Trump-Pence um, line, um, were, were doing it because of their deep concerns for uh, having Hillary yes. uh, be our president. And yep. so it wasn't so much a, a complete agreement or an embrace at all of yeah. a lot of, of, uh, of, of Trump's. And again, it was, it was it's kind of more of his, his moral background and a lot of the concerns yep. that we have about the image that he, um, you know, in terms of how he represents um, us as a nation, right? Yeah. Um, and and that's the part that bothers me. And I think Drew, you were even telling me about this statistic yeah. that back when Clinton uh, was president, this is actually 2011. Okay, so 2011. Yeah. Kind of run run us run, so, run yeah. that through, and, and I want you, you know, guys listening, um, like think about what this says about us. Yeah, yeah. Um, 2011. This uh, the question is asked: um, Can a person have moral failure in their personal life and still be able to? govern well in their public life, still be able to lead in politics. Um, And in 2011, that question was asked, and the biggest no answer um, was, was from was from white evangelicals. Only 30% of white evangelicals said yes, you can have moral failure in personal life, be immoral in your personal life, and still lead Mm -hmm. in your public life. Only 31% said and in 2016, the biggest yes answer came from white evangelicals. That is, we, we somehow in five years switched and 71% of white evangelicals said, 
you can have, yeah, it's okay. You can have yeah. personal moral failings uh, and still get to lead the country. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's just a, that's a stat that does not look good on us. You know what it I mean? Does. And there's a sure. couple, there's a few problems with that. First of all, I have a problem with the way that, you know, yeah. I, I have yep. the problem the, with the white evangelical yep. because yep. evangelicalism is not white. Um, though a lot of people consider it that, but to, the, that, that doesn't, the white opinion in, within evangelicalism does not define evangelicalism because yep. we have, we have black evangelicals and Hispanic event and all of those things. Yeah. Right. Um, I also, also the problem is a lot of people who call themselves evangelicals, um, aren't actually like gospel centered Bible believing Christians yeah. as much as just cultural Christians. And so that, that yeah. uh, the stat isn't quite fair. But it's still a stat that's going to be seen and it's still going to be yeah. recognized. And they're, you know, and yeah, so I don't know. That. They hold that stat out by itself. And that, that is sure. the frustrating thing to me because sure. what, they, what they don't want to say is that in 2012, 75% of evangelicals voted for a Mormon. Um, yeah. Like yeah. they don't want to yeah. say that. And so yeah. the jump isn't really that large. And you wonder if, they're, if, the, if the actual thought process over moral failure and ability to lead and govern um, if that big shift isn't really a philosophical shift as much as it's a reactionary shift against um, a, an administration that, quote, white evangelicals has felt, you know, kicked to the curb by in the in the last eight years of our presidency. You wonder how much of their thoughts yes. are shaped in opposition to something rather than their, you know, affinity for Trump, which I really don't think is all that high in the church. I, I think, like you said, Jim, it's really a reaction against Hillary. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that, and this is the problem, too, with just having like a simple question, um, because context is going to totally set that. So in, from 92, which was the first election that I was here, which was the Clinton-Bush, Bush won, um, well, Clinton versus the first Bush, I guess is how I want to say that, yeah. and where, where Clinton won. Um, you know, and then for those next eight years, I, I, I can't tell you, the majority of white evangelicals would say to me repeatedly, if your wife can't trust you, how can we trust you as a country? Uh -huh. If your wife can't trust you, how can we trust you as a country? So I heard that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, I just haven't heard that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, again, I, I guarantee you it's more complicated. And those that would say, well, listen, so here's here's why I've changed my view um, it's it's like there are other issues that are going to no pun intended. There are other issues that are going to trump that issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I, th I think it's a little bit like they read behind the the question. Yeah. And so if if what they're if if you know as we're reading that and it says you know can can you have a moral failure? Are you asking me if I would vote for Trump or Hillary? I think in 2016 yeah. when they're asking that, I think there's a lot of people kind of interpreting the question and asking me, yes. can I put up with this moral failure? Yeah. And can I put up with, and you know, I, I think there's lots of stuff that's going to kind of expose even the limited nature of that question. But all of that aside, I think it is good for us as a church to look for consistency in holding everyone to a particular biblical standard yes. and then showing respect and honor where respect and honor is due. Yeah. And we cannot give in. We yeah. cannot give in on, um, on on what we want to call our people to, and it, it, even in terms of how our people, um, uh, I, I guess, publicly um, like celebrate or yeah. how they how they publicly endorse. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just need to be careful about the the image piece there, mm -hmm. because people do kind of associate those things. So it it, it de definitely makes me kind of concerned. Another another. Um I found it to be a really helpful explanation to 
to as to why um, the, so many of the church uh, or evangelicals voted for Trump. Um, I was listening to a podcast with uh, Rusty Reno, who's a phenomenal um, yeah. professor at Creighton University in Nebraska, and he he said he, he was asked, he was answering the question actually why the media got it so wrong why did they call an overwhelming clinton victory and then you know hours later they're having to declare trump the winner he said why did they fail to see it and he said the problem is that the the media never took trump seriously but they listened to him literally so they view him as a racist and as a bigot and as a, as a misogynist and all these things never took him seriously but they listened to him literally and he oh, said, but his, but his voters took him seriously and listened to him figuratively. They don't think <laughs> that he is um, all of these things. They think that he is a guy who is necessarily employing a, a incredible a yes, degree of bravado that they want in a leader. They don't want all that stuff to be literally true, but they want kind of this hmm. alpha male personality to overthrow what they view as a... A, a, a broken establishment. Yes. Yeah. And so I thought that was really interesting. The media never took him seriously, but listened to him literally. And his voters took him very seriously, hmm. but listened to him figuratively. And hmm. Reno said that can go a long ways to help explaining why Christians who would never agree with what he just said can still endorse him. Uh, okay. So they're kind of, they're filtering that. Yes. Yeah, which I think I think both makes sense, and I think we need to be, when I, when I say be careful, I just think we need to be thinking sure. through kind of where our ultimate allegiance is, you mm-hmm. know. Kate, now we, we we spend way, I won't even say too much time, but, you know, kind of the answer during this whole, the, the kind of the basic answer that we keep reminding people of is put your hope in God, think kingdom first, put your hope in God, think kingdom first. So we yep. keep doing that, right? Don't get overly concerned. Don't get overly hopeful. Um, and again, not because it doesn't have value or purpose, but because we have something bigger that we're being held to. Um, so I don't want to give that speech again. Yeah. So how do we move beyond? Because I do know a number of people that are really, really, really excited. And I have run into a number of people that are deeply, deeply, deeply disturbed regarding this Christian people, right? Um, So here's my question. How do we move beyond the, you need to put your hope in Christ, you need to put your hope in the kingdom? How do we move beyond that question? Because that's kind of the overarching question. How do we really get to people so that they actually accomplish that? Is there a step that we're missing? Because the more that we seem to challenge people and encourage people to not get overly upset or overly excited, um, that, that message either isn't taking and it's, it's kind of like telling a kid when the storm is coming, don't be afraid, God is in control. So how do we move beyond the don't be afraid or uh, don't be too excited about the trip that you've got coming up, sweetheart, to kind of more of a grass level, that kind of that, that bottom level, that ground level? How do we help our people do that specifically? Any, adv- any advice on that? Yeah. Um, first, like you said, we've got people that are upset and people that are thrilled and probably a lot of people in between. And we have all those people in our church, right? Um, my first advice would be in um, win, loss, or concession, do so graciously. Um, there is, there's, I've just seen so much. I've, I've actually just stopped looking at things like Facebook and Twitter lately. I've just seen so much venom post-election um, from both Trump and Hillary supporters. Venom in victory and venom in defeat. And um, neither one of those things is an act that's born of someone who believes the gospel with everything they've got. Those are, those are contrary to the things of Christ to behave that way. 
And so I would, I would just recommend that we do things graciously. And then, in, in terms of practically speaking, how do we put our hope in the gospel? Um, I've said this a number of times, uh, a number of times regarding the political kind of structure of the United States. Um, like I personally, this is this is not me saying this is right. This is the way it should be. But I personally would um, consider it a political victory if, by the time I die, the two-party system has has died long before that. I, I cannot stand it. I think what it does is it creates a a false dichotomy of red versus blue or us versus them, and it never it it, it can um, go a long ways to not allowing us to have real conversations. So. I'm talking, I mean, and you're not pulling for a monarchy. Right? No, you're not I'm not for an oligarchy. You're you're literally pulling for kind of the. There are more voices that need to be heard. Yes. So yes, well, and um, I and I want to hear because um, one of you, Drew or Jim, one of you guys said this on an earlier episode, and I thought it was really helpful. Is that it was um, me? It, yeah, Depends maybe. Who's smart or not? We'll see. We're funny. Um, Which one's me? Both are me. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently at one point Drew said um, that it's important for us to see that even people on the other side of the political aisle, in most cases, we have the same end in mind. That was me. That ah, was me. Yes. We're just trying me. to get there by, by different yes, means. that was me. And and I think that we need to keep that in mind. And, and you, I think civil conversation and civil um, action can can be born as a result of keeping that in mind, you know. One of the things that it totally helped me a lot was when I first moved here, obviously um, it was in the early 90s and um, didn't really have a political affiliation. I didn't have like a family pedigree that we have always been Democrat or we've always been Republican. Um, and so I just began to, you know, kind of think, okay, if I was an American, who would I, where would I kind of line up? And a lot of my convictions kind of lean obviously to the right. And so that pulled me in one particular direction. My first roommate was a diehard Democrat from the state of Arkansas, mm-hmm. and I loved him. Mm-hmm. And we began to talk about issues. He was a huge Dukakis fan, and that didn't go well for him. But the more that I began to love him and understand him, the more I began to kind of understand that, wow, here's a here's a guy, John, who loved the Lord, who is trying to figure this out, who believes in these issues. And even though I disagreed with how he got there, it really helped me. Yeah. And at Sunnybrook, there are a number of people, and they are some of the nicest, most godly people who have some very strong convictions that are kind of on the Democrat side. And I love them yes. and I appreciate them. And they they humble me in the sense of recognizing that my way is not the only way. Yeah. And, you know, it, it really is kind of an interesting process for me to kind of work through. So, it, yeah, I think that's a big thing. Hmm. Drew, anything else on the practical level? How do we move beyond the big picture stuff, trust God, and help our people trust God? Yeah, you know, I don't know if this is exactly the area that you're kind of, whatever what you, direction you're thinking, but kind of in some practical things that I think the church needs to start doing now. Um, one is somewhat cliche stuff, but I know that I I don't do it much, and that is um, actually spend time praying for our leaders, um, for God's to give them wisdom, and for God's will to be done and king, kingdom to come through whatever direction this country takes. You know what I mean? And like I said, cliche, but I honestly can admit through my life I've done very little of that, and, and I need to do more of that. And, and second is I think the church really has an opportunity to, in the middle of a, a nation that is really, really divided, um, 
we as a church are built on actually are you know we're kind of built on this idea that in christ god was reconciling the world to himself and so reconciliation is actually kind of at the at the foundation of what the church is made out of or or ought to be you know what i mean and so i think we have a a, a good opportunity here to to demonstrate reconciliation, what that is to love people who think differently than you about yep. a topic and to love people who look differently than you. And, and, and I think that we ought to do that first, first and foremost amongst the church. Things like, you know, we've, um, we've talked about this, but um, things like, I, I think it was Russell Moore just said, white Christians need to recognize that what a black Christian is struggling with, I'm struggling with. Like yeah. a, a Hispanic Christian's problem is my problem because they're yeah. my brother. Yeah. And so I need to, and, and this actually, this election shows us kind of this third or fourth marginalized group. Um, my working poor brother's problem is mine. There, there is this other group that really kind of rose up as, as a group that at least feels very marginalized. And that yeah. is this working poor. And there are some people who are angry and lashing out at, whatever, the, the uneducated people who came and voted for this racist monster, whatever, and <laughs> instead of like hearing yes. like what, what this is, is a, a cry that says, I feel like I've been overlooked. I yeah. feel like I'm not. And, and the church really does need to, I, I think, in, in all these areas, in areas of race and in areas of, of class and, and social or economic levels, like need to kind of demonstrate an ability to empathize and love and care about the, the things that are hurting, that, that our brothers or sisters feel hurt over or marginalized yep. over. You know what I mean? Well, and we see this with the Black Lives Matter. You know, we had a, a conversation, didn't make it. We lost it actually in the recording yeah. process. But, you know, we, we had this conversation, and I love the fact that when we had that conversation, um, that there were there were those, uh, our, particularly with that conversation was between two sisters yeah. who are, um, who are uh, well, I guess one was just from the Caribbean and the other one is African-American. Um, but in that conversation, it was like, do they care about me in the process? Yeah. And so don't just kind of dismiss my beliefs. Don't dismiss my convictions. Yeah. Don't dismiss my problems. I don't have brothers and sisters kind of reaching out to me and asking me how I'm doing and how I'm feeling. Yeah. Instead, they've got this rhetoric. Yeah. And whenever we get kind of reduced to a rhetoric with one another, then we really do miss the piece um, where there is an empathy yeah. and there is a, how do I understand? And that kind of that dismissive attitude, ah, they're just a liberal, ah, they're just yeah, a conservative, yeah. that we're not doing the good job of bearing with one another and truly listening to one yeah. another. Um, you know, the, the, here's the one thing I would, uh, that, that I would add is that I, I have decided to become a little more vocal at this level yeah. so that when I hear somebody, um, anyone who voted for is just an absolute and they post it on Facebook um, or whatever. And I actually, I'm not on Facebook very much at all. But if I see that, I actually address it now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I could see it in my in my kids. I've got two sons that were, you know, kind of very disturbed about not, not liking either one. I have another son that was pretty excited about one candidate. And I just reminded all of them, hey, just be careful how you how you process this. When they would say something, even off the cuff, I'd say, hey, like, remember, you're representing Jesus Christ yes. more than anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, our family background is um, my, uh, my wife's sister and her husband are um, very liberal. Um, neither of them are followers of Jesus Christ, intentional followers of Jesus Christ by any stretch. And um, they're up in Canada. And uh, so both of them were really 
shocked at kind of Trump and kind of who he is. He, he would not fit well within the Canadian political system at all. <laughs> Hillary would fit right in. And so that's kind of the background, She'd right? She'd be pretty conservative. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's, she's conservative in Canada. Um, but what was interesting was I thought for a while there that my son was going to be going home. And I remember just telling him, um, just be really careful how you represent things that we've got to be called back to that. And I, and I think it would be good for us, for those of us that are aware of these things, um, to be aware of what we are actually saying and go, wow, okay, so what I'm about to say about this issue is a reflection on on what a Christ follower would say. Yeah. And so therefore, I'm going to speak this way. Mm-hmm. And I just think it would be good for us to hold one another accountable. Yeah. So how do we move beyond it? Um, we don't let it slide. We don't let it. And again, I'm not even asking about we kind of police everything that we say. And I'm definitely not even calling for a political correctness. It's almost the opposite. Yeah. It's literally being more um, um, more intentional and in yeah. saying, hey, like I know you probably even meant that in jest. You need to be careful jesting like that. Yeah. Um, I know that you've got a deep concern about this. I need you to remember that it's probably not the only way to look at this one particular issue. Um, and I, I think that would be really good. And, you know, I, again, the other one I love, Drew, and I, I don't think we can emphasize it enough, is did you pray to God more about this election or did you talk to your friends or family about it more? And I'd be shocked if there were very many of us that prayed more about it. So, um, okay, we, time is kind of just skipping away from us. So I'm going to ask you two final questions. The first one is, um, you know, this I, I made a deep conviction about how I was going to change where I was going to get my information from. And so um, totally, literally just kind of pulled off, unplugged from some places, and I'm trying to be way more selective and looking at a a, a variety of sources as I read kind of what's going on. Um, uh, For the next four years, we're obviously going to be hearing both adulation and frustration regarding uh, the next administration of the president-elect Trump and uh, Vice President Pence, and we need to pray for them and uh, truly remember kind of how Jesus Christ has called us to submit to the worldly authorities and to, to pray over them. But any recommendations in terms of how we deal with the next four years um, maybe to prepare ourselves for another difficult election. Who knows? Uh, I'd like for everything to be different next time, but I don't know if I see any indicators that are telling us it's going to be radically different. So how can we prepare now so that we can have a better attitude later just by dealing with media and kind of getting our information? Ryan? Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of... Uh, being extremely cautious whenever your information is second or third hand. I, I do not like links that people post and you know the headlines that are flying around on social media. Um, it's important to realize that um, many of these news outlets or the aggregators that disseminate the news are for-profit establishments and make their money by getting you to click. And they know in many ways who their audience is and what you want to hear. And if that's the case, I'm, I would be cautious um, reading through um, from certain outlets that, yeah. this is, that this is fact or that this isn't a skewed perspective. Um, I don't know that an unfiltered objective news source exists. So I'm not, I'm not saying, well, you need to read this, you know. But I am saying that it does, you know, just to look at how CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, and the New York Times across the spectrum, how they'll report on the same event and their stories are so drastically different and the, yeah. the reason for writing the stories are so drastically different. 
if if nothing else, I'm not saying don't read them, but pause before you lay all your chips down on the table based on anything you read in them. And so I guess just caution is something that I would exercise. I, I would I would encourage people to exercise and and the wisdom that comes with not just believing everything you read. Drew? Yeah, and I would I would say this is this is another kind of Russell Moore thing. He says we need to stand against the way politics has become religion to us recently and uh, in a lot of ways. And I, and I think, you know, a lot of us would say, what do you mean? It's not my religion. It's not my, but it, it takes on a lot of religious language sometimes in reporting. And, and one of the ways to be aware of that is like um, apocalyptic language and tone in news reporting, right? Yeah. Whenever, anytime you're reading any article that talks about how the world is going to end or our country will spiral into oblivion if this candidate wins, yeah. or yeah. like that's, that's apocalyptic, that's, that's, that's religious type, like the fate of the cosmos depends on this. And, and you can just kind of say, I, I think it's time to click the back button and get out of that article because yep. you know yeah. that that article is pushing, it's, it's making too much of politics. Yes. And, it's, and it's going to, it's, it's making too much and it's going to No, but you don't understand, Drew. The, the problem is you don't understand yeah. that it really is going to. I mean, for yeah. those of you right now that are kind of responding, like with your heart like that. No, but Drew, you yeah. just don't understand. <laughs> yes. You're... You're you're in the you're in the bad spot. Yes, they, they have yeah. set if, the hook. If yeah, if that's what you're thinking right now, then you think we, we don't get it. I would argue, show me from the scriptures. That's where I would go back to. Show yeah. me from the scriptures because that's what Drew's describing here. Is that don't get sucked into that kind of yeah uncontrollable passionate response. Yeah, yeah, and I think so. I just think that's a great that's a great marker for you when you're reading stuff on 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 the news or watching stuff i mean like how extreme or apocalyptic is this language how and and if and if it's overly then you're going yeah they they think about the world differently than we do as christians and so i don't know if that's my best source for for how to be thinking about this stuff you know yeah i love to ask myself and again it's not even about being a moderate per se because when you talk about being kingdom minded it truly it's 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 not just left or right. It's almost like there's another plane that's completely involved in this, right? It's kind of like you're just, you've got a different, totally different agenda, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I love to be reminded of, I, I, lo- I love to have people that are both on the quote unquote, on the more right of me and on the more left of me. I love to kind of position myself. And again, not just becoming a moderate for the sake of being a moderate, but to realize that there are those that put so much trust in a conservative agenda and so much trust in a more liberal agenda that they've lost the kingdom agenda. And I like to just kind of take a look around and see kind of where I'm at. Um, one of the, I got a very, 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 very conservative friend who found some real fascination. One of the guys who called this issue, called the election, I don't know if you know this, not Russell Moore. Drew's been saying Russell, Russell, Russell Moore, but Michael Moore, yep. okay, the filmmaker, he called this. Yeah. Um, in a very kind of an interesting article, you can go online and see it. Michael Moore kind of predicting the Trump win and his explanation of why fascinating. So here's a guy that I completely disagree with on so many issues. Can you read him and go, wow, that's insightful? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you listen to the other side? Um, And again, avoid the apocalyptic crazy. And can you read the other side? That's that's a question I have to ask myself. Can I, can I read the other side? The other thing is, is that when Drew, Drew, uh, Ryan threw up a name, Rusty Reno, Mm -hmm. um, I would say, try to find conversations that are at a higher level than just the Huffington Post. 
try to find conversations that are a little bit higher than just yeah. kind of some Facebook feed um, and, and realize that there's a lot more that can be said about the conversation. The last thing that I would say, and then you guys can respond, and then I've got my last final question, but how about this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a Scott Irwin. I'm going to say something really insightful and then just drop the mic. Are you ready? Okay. Read more, watch less. Boom. Totally agree. Read more, watch less. Totally agree. If and if if we want to get really really specific, I have I do have two. Um, I guess you could call them media outlets. They're more um, academic publications, but they're written for kind of the general population that are really helpful. Not well. I'll I'll give you three. The Gospel Coalition is a great um, yeah. a great source of um, blog posts and articles written by godly men and women that. Generally, I would say very, very uh, across the board have the kingdom in mind. Thegospelcoalition.com. Yeah, or org, I don't know. It'll, it'll, you'll find it. Um, the other one is that there are two magazines that I've recently subscribed to in the last year that have been uh, really helpful, and my attraction to them was because was was they are concerned with taking theology and applying it in the public square. And okay. so in an election cycle, I thought, wow, I really want to see what these philosophers of religion, these professors at seminaries, these pastors, these authors are saying about how do we take legitimate biblical theology and apply it in a public arena. And these two magazines are First Things magazine, which is a is actually a, a Catholic um, organization, but don't let that scare you. It's really, really good. And, and Rusty Reno is the um, the general editor for that, and he writes phenomenal articles crit- uh, criticizing both sides of the political spectrum, and he I think he's very, very insightful. The other one is Comment Magazine, and you can find um, their articles online at cardus.ca, C-A-R-D-U-S dot C-A. They're based out of... Um, Canada. Ontario. That's the .ca. Yeah. Hmm. And so the the general editor for that is James K.A. Smith. And both uh, Smith right. and Reno are, um, they're assembling teams of thinkers and writers that are doing, I think, a great job of analyzing our culture with a theological mindset in a way that Fox News and CNN have really no ability to do because sure. they don't have the people that can do it. Yep. They don't have the kingdom perspective. Okay. So final question. Um, you know, you guys have had deep convictions about how a Christian, and not the only conviction, or, or not the only answer, um, but Ryan, you have yours, Drew have yours, I have mine, in terms of how a Christian needs to be involved in politics. So after this, con, you know, after this uh, cycle is over, any changes to your convictions? Are you feeling, wow, Christians need to be more involved, less involved, um, involved in a different way? Any kind of final thoughts in that particular realm for the next four years? Any any changes? Um not tons, but I, I, I do feel like this is a couple things that this has made me um, feel a greater weight of responsibility for like local issues that I need That's to good. be to, to mm-hmm. you know, in a year where we got really, really consumed with the big national one. Um, it really was. There were a couple articles and some conversations with you guys and, and, and with some other friends that really did remind me, like, I really need to make sure that I'm concerned about the local things mm-hmm. um, and the community that God has us in here at yeah. Sunnybrook in Stillwater. I want, I want to care about what's going on there. And so there's a little bit more of a responsibility to know. I did I did homework this year on the bills and on that stuff, trying to trying, that to, is good. trying to make sure I was knowing what I was what I was voting for and stuff. And then second, this has been a good, I think because it has been so divisive and people on with so many extreme sides it's kind of back to what you said 
and Jim, but it has been a good reminder for me that brothers and sisters can see things very differently with a similar heart yeah. in mind. And so I, I think that's become a little bit even more clear to me this yeah. through this election. So, Ryan, um, I my conviction that um, whether or not you vote is your choice and it's not unpatriotic to abstain from voting has been affirmed in many ways. And so I really am okay and with that. And you're not talking about abstaining from the entire ballot or the entire process nope. because there are lots of bills that needed yes, to be addressed yes. in that. But you're saying I really couldn't with deep conviction vote for any of the three or either of the two yes. or whatever. I'm okay, okay with that. I'm, o- I'm only okay with it um, with this one caveat that it's an informed abstinence. Prayerful, prayerful, spirit convicted. Yes, yep. and so I, I really don't. And this this cycle has kind of put the presidency in its own, you know, realm that I don't think is quite as important as we often make it out to be. And like Drew, I, I really believe that the most um, efficient way we can be a transformative power as a church is through local elections. Um, but I, I really, I'm, I'm convicted that we need to know. Um, what politics are on the line and we we I guess I've always I've always been kind of removed from politics because I just was so uninterested in it I so didn't trust anyone in the process that I just I just wasn't I wasn't even informed I was so uninterested I chose not to be informed and I and I think that that is irresponsible and I don't think I think believers if we are called to bring the kingdom of heaven to this place we need to understand our mission field. And so I think, um, you know, to use your Scott Irwin pseudo quote, we need to read more. We need to we need to understand our communities better. I don't think I think you have a right to abstain from voting. I don't think you have a right to abstain from knowing your community. Yeah, that's good. You know, and for clarification, I, 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 would, I did it like Scott Irwin. It, it was my quote. Yeah, no, I'll give you credit. Okay, good, because I was afraid you are going to think. Because I don't need one more. I, oh, look there at Scott. No, there, look there how was, smart and look how reflective. Across and, the table, there was no possible way I could confuse you for Scott Irwin. Don't. <laughs> you didn't look anything like him. That's our sound engineer, Steve, <laughs> laughing in the background. <laughs> um, awesome. Man, I, I just I really do appreciate you guys. Um, you know, I'll tell you, uh, let, me, let me close with this thought. Um, the the part that was fascinating was uh, again I, when I say I don't watch things I actually did watch the concession speech from Hillary Clinton and uh, that was interesting um, I also watched the original response by President Obama and what I really appreciated about that final address or the final address that he gave or the the address I guess it wasn't final obviously but the address that he gave post election was he described how generous and grateful. Um, the Bushes were to him in that transition times. He says, I remember when when President Bush called me and congratulated me and, and just promised me that his team was going to do a, um, a very intentional job of making the transition as smooth as possible. And he said, and then he did it. And I just was so appreciative of that. And we're going to do the same thing. And I, I love that spirit. I really do. It's one of those things that I have really appreciated about our current president is that he is, in the words of, of Giuliani, okay, that he's a gentleman. And I just there there I, I love to not mindlessly but very intentionally be grateful for the things that I can be grateful for, and I am very grateful that we've got a gentleman president in the White House. Even though I may disagree strongly with a lot of policy type issues, I can appreciate the gentlemanliness of him um, 
and kind of the the way that there has been certain degrees of I think profound respect and honor where honor is due. His final words were, "We need to remember that we are not Democrats first, or we're not Republicans first, but we're Americans first. And I agree with him in that regard for those people who aren't Christians first. Um, that yeah, it's good for us to recognize the un- the unity that exists. And I want to just challenge all of us as listeners that let's kind of hear what he's saying about that. Let's remember that that you're if I, if I could appeal to you and say, remember we're Americans first. Imagine how much more I can appeal to you to remember that we are Christians first. And I think that really kind of sets the agenda. And so if let's say you've got some concerns about how we didn't get it and we don't understand and we need to be more upset, then come to me and talk about the kingdom and tell me why I need to be upset. If you think we need to be more excited and more grateful and more whatever, then come to me, bring your Bible, come to Drew, come to you know, come to any of us, bring your Bible and talk to us about some kingdom minded issues and and how we're not getting it. And I really think that is is kind of the kind of conversation and that's kind of what we're setting in that particular agenda is we're saying, listen, we want the agenda to be kingdom, first, last, in the middle, um, and that everything, all of our information um, kind of flows through our perspective of what God is doing in the world through the um, through the through the gospel and the kingdom that He is establishing that will last forever and ever and ever. So that's our challenge. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. Um, we're going to be coming back, uh, you know, probably in just a couple of days. Actually, getting back into the studio and doing another one. Um, we really do appreciate you guys. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about wanting to continue the conversation. If we have sparked something and you think we're not getting it, who knows? Maybe we need to kind of invite you into the studio and we can have a very kind but vibrant and exciting debate. So who knows? Reach out to one of us. We'd love to talk with you. Um, Until next time, we will see you around the water cooler.